I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, I'm Austin Healy, and this is the Rugby Tonight podcast. This week, I'm joined by Ugo Monia. Hello, Ugo. Hi, mate. How are you? Yeah, really good. You? I like your t-shirt. Thank you. It's very nice. I'm still in work clothes, unfortunately. As we look ahead to round four of the Aviva Premiership and chat through all the week's big stories. But before we crack on with the podcast, here's a sneak peek at what's coming up on the show. Harlequins captain James Hall was our star guest in the studio with Sarah Elgin. I just had a brain snap and tried to take someone's head off and it didn't work. So <laughs> and I, He was fine and I got sent off the field and our team lost, so that was probably the worst. And our very own Ali Eakin went down to Exeter to catch up with Garen Steenson and the Chiefs boys. How often do you think about that moment, that winning penalty, the final whistle, the trophy lift? Honestly, I relive it every day because my kids want to watch it every single day. Do they? Yeah, my, my oldest, he literally can practice and say, right, scrum penalty to Chiefs, and he can do the commentary exactly the same. So I have to relive it basically every day. And last, and by all means least, Nick Mullins headed to Worcester to chat with Irish duo Donna O'Callaghan and Peter Stringer. Like I've always said it, as long as I'm, I suppose, the body and mind are in sync, you know what I mean? I'm still enjoying the game. Um, I'm still able to get out on the pitch and, and, you know, compete. And it's just the enjoyment factor. You get out here and, you know, it's, it's a job we love doing. And why would you want to finish it? Bit of Six Nations news, Austin. Um, that there's plans to potentially condense the Six Nations. I get it. Doesn't really work for the players there. What are your thoughts? Well, I think that the games are so hard anyway. The Premiership games are very physical, but the Six Nations is definitely a step up. So you're asking players now to play the Six Nations in a six-week period instead of a seven-week period, if you can believe what was read, written in the Times uh, today. I got the Scottish Times on the train, so it wasn't actually in that one. <laughs> they, they, they were talking about Richard Cockrell, actually, and what's going on at Edinburgh. That's another matter. Yeah, But um, I think it's tough for the players. and There's a lot of pressure on them, uh, but you want to play for England. In some ways, I think it's quite good to get it over and done with and get back to your club. But either have it as a good break in between, alternate the games. But what I would say is the clubs own the assets and therefore they should be able to play for the clubs in the weeks off or at least sit on the bench. So say you've got Joe Marler and Danny Kerr and Quinns have got a big game which could decide whether they end up in the top four or not. And they're sat at home resting, watching their team. Why don't they have a deal where they just say, do you know what? Yeah, you can play if you want. How do you feel? It's up to the player. Or you can sit on the bench and influence the game from there. I guess this is where money's come into it because every club's been well compensated for every player in the EPS. And 
because they've taken that money, essentially they've relinquished their responsibility to look after that player during the Six Nations. And now England or the RFU look after that player during that period. Um, I understand why they want to reduce the time during the Six Nations, but as a spectator, if you've paid good money to watch a Billy Vodopolo and Owen Farrell, and he picks up a, a one-week injury, which means he's not able to play that next week. The Six Nations should be about the best teams, the best players going head-to-head, not about the best strength and depth. Because, as you've already said, the international game is so, so hard and injuries do occur. You want to give everyone the best opportunity to put out their best team. I think we're getting closer and closer now to a mid-season break. Yeah. I think everything about the mid-season break idea really stacks up particularly for me, because I love Christmas at home. You know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, at home, not working. But I think also for the players, we're seeing so many injuries. I mean, Danny Cipriani, another one to add to the wasp list. We'll get onto that in a sec. But if you have that mid-season break, players can then almost do a secondary pre-season. Because if you look at the NFL, they basically have from September till December, end of December, playing, and then they get into the knockout stages. Uh, and that's one of the biggest tournaments in the world. I think what we're potentially seeing in the Northern Hemisphere is too many tournaments, too many different things. So you've either got the Premiership, which is fantastic. You've got Europe, which is great. You've got the Six Nations. Why do we need anything else? Yeah, well, the summer tours. Well, talking of breaks, you've got Billy Vanapola, who's um, he's got a book out. At, how old is he, 24? Col- colouring. <laughs> I love colouring in cats. Do you? Yeah. I always really struggle with the face because I don't like cats. So I, I normally make their faces red. <laughs> Why don't you like cats? I, I'm scared. I'm allergic to cats and I'm scared of them. Oh, OK, cool. Anyway, um, so Billy, he's been quite outspoken just saying that players potentially go on strike. And what he'd like to propose is actually half the games in a premiership season because the game's getting that tough. I think, well, they're predominantly talking about this uh, directive from World Rugby to extend the season into June, aren't they? Yeah. Which is the most ludicrous idea I've ever heard in my entire life, but it suits New Zealand. So therefore, everybody in the Northern Hemisphere just has to get on with it. And that's pretty much what it looked like when it came out. We said that on the show on Rugby Tonight. And most people agreed that we are just paying lip service to what comes out from what the Southern Hemisphere wants. And it shouldn't be like that. There's more people play rugby in the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think an extended season is ridiculous. You've already mentioned it just then. But pre-season's the only time in a season where you actually get a chance to be able to get fitter, drop some weight, get stronger, and actually become robust enough to be able to prepare for a season. If you're going to cut that period by half, and we've already, not an injury crisis, but injuries are occurring a lot more frequently because the game's that much tougher, you are only going to create more injuries for players. And we all talk about it, play welfare's paramount, but extending the season, certainly not in the interest of the players. No, I think it's ridiculous and I agree with you. And I think they should also get rid of the Lions tours because, <laughs> is that a step too far in controversy? But I, I just thought I'd take it up a level. Um, Do you mean that? Yeah, completely get rid of the Lions Tour. But you went on a Lions Tour. It must yeah. have been one of your most memorable moments. No, I wasn't bothered. I'd much rather play Why? for England. You weren't bothered about playing for Lions? Not in the slightest. Why? Not I... play with... I'll ask you the question, because for me, it was amazing to be able to play with some of the best players. Well, not some of the, the best players in Britain and Ireland. Learn off them. And it's the best shows you could put on. But for you, just not bothered at all. No, not really. It was a good trip. Well, both of them were good. But... I would much rather play for my country than play for the British Lions. And also, I always knew after a Lions tour that you'd come back and you'd have three weeks pre-season 
and then you'd start the season. And inevitably, you would get injured before Christmas. So it's more about your longevity in the game. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what these players should be thinking about now. They should be thinking about how can I provide myself with a duty of care, both on the field and off the field, to prolong my career? Because Billy Vanapola is right in many ways. I mean, he's not had the best of injury runs recently, but you need to be thinking about the future. And the future isn't just when you're playing rugby. It's also the five years after. I've been yep. retired now for 10 years. It's another knee operation recently. All systemic with the game. And that's what we're seeing. And the more, and as Billy says, the more they play, the more you're pressurised to play. And you pressurise yourself as well. We've all been there. You've just got to be careful. So, in summary, cut the season in half. Um, <laughs> cut the season in half. Six weeks, six nations, and just sack off Lions Tours altogether. Lions Tours gone. My perfect season is, I don't agree with Billy about cutting the Aviva Premiership in half. Play it in good chunks, good blocks. Go into the Europe Games, uh, the Champions Cup uh, and the Challenge Cup, and have the Six Nations, but have maybe three weeks off around Christmas. Go spend some time with your family, or maybe play the Christmas Games because they get big crowds. But early Jan, you know, the first three weeks of Jan, have it off. Um, you go skiing anyway. Well, yeah, but that's not about me, Hugo. <laughs> but let's definitely have the first three weeks of January off. Give the players a chance to recoup, restart, a little mid-season training session for them. It'll see a lot of them through, and we'll see a lot less injuries. Then, no Lions tours. Lions tours are ended. They're all, only about marketing for me. It's just a big cash cow, and I don't believe in it. Yes, do your national tours. They're brilliant. Go away, but only play maybe two or three tests, maximum back-to-back, and then you're done. Your season's done. You're back on holiday. You're back into pre-season early July. You get a good six weeks of pre-season. Your body's in a decent nick, and we're not talking about all these injuries. I mean, wasps are just, they're a mess, the number of injuries they've got. Yeah, ridiculous. So it was announced, was it Monday? So Danny Cipriani went off in the game in that defeat against Harlequins, and he's been ruled out for 12 weeks with an MCL injury, and... You got, hey, Wasps have got a brilliant squad, but when their injury list starts stacking up as it does, you've got to slightly be worried, no? I think so. The amount of injuries we're seeing is also disrupting the squad. So we're seeing an interesting stat is this is the first season ever where all 12 teams have lost at least one game in the first three rounds. So normally you have a side that starts to scoot away, but now you're not so worried if you've lost two and won one because you're still in touching distance of the top four. It's so funny because we talk about consistency all the time and, you know, a team the, the, which is the antithesis of the consistency is... The what? I said it right, didn't I? Yeah, you did. I just got no idea what that word means. <laughs> and it must, it's so difficult to stay, to stay, to say, I think you're taking a big risk and going for it. You could come out with arthritis. <laughs> You start antithesis, and what happens if you're halfway... I, I don't know if you're the same as me in commentary, but if I'm thinking about a really big word, I'm a little bit scared of saying it in case I get halfway through it and I get it wrong. I had it at the weekend, Lover Labalu. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that his name? It'll Lover do. Lo- yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, if you say it well enough or with enough punch, people believe it. Um, but yeah, Gloucester, just saying, Gloucester antithesis of consistency. Last year, didn't win a single game back-to-back. This could be a year they've got Johan, Ackerman as a coach who looks to do some brilliant things. Owen Williams coming in, Ross Moriarty had a great summer. They've now compiled a squad together so well that if it is a bit topsy-turvy and everyone can beat everyone, could be a season for Gloucester to really rise up the table. A lot of those signings, though, not fit, not able to play. So I I think Gloucester should get better. They were average at best, abject at Welford Road at the weekend, I thought. 
Leicester didn't really have to do much for that victory, which is wor more worrying in a lot of ways for Leicester. I mean, their form is a little bit scary. And they've got Harlequins this weekend. So yeah. my old club against yours prediction there. I uh, can't remember what I did on our uh, BT Sport predictor. Have you done for already? Forward slash predictor. I do it early on in the week. I don't like the pressure towards the end. <laughs> okay, fair and then enough. you get influenced by reading everyone else's and people say, oh, I think Harlequins are going to win by 40. What do you reckon? Quins by 40? Uh, look, I've said let's get rid of the Lions tour. If I say Quinn's by 40, there's a good chance I'll get lynched. I'll go back. My house will be on fire. This is it. Um, well, Austin's clearly not going to give us uh, a perfect answer there. But stay tuned because later on in the podcast, we will be going through our previews of the games this weekend as well as our predictions. But yeah, let's keep with the theme of the game, the teams in the Premiership. Saints back after a bit of form. Yeah. After the they look pretty good, on. Saints, actually. And they've changed... Two major things for me. One, the level of intensity, which is an absolute prerequisite yeah. in this league. But a very simple thing they've changed is they've changed the shoulder that they run at. I heard you in comments. So That's a good point. now all they do is, and if you look at their angles... All they do is run inside shoulders. And I think they learned a little bit off Scott Britz because that's where he makes most of his breaks, inside yeah. shoulder, running lines where defenders aren't scanning what's in front of them. And I think the new law changes have actually really messed up the stereotypical defensive pattern of guard, bodyguard, third defender. Those guys now are still zoning in on what they've been taught for a number of years and they're missing defensive frailties that they have in front of them. But we'll go through that, I think, in Rugby Tonight. So, And again, if you, are, if you have got uh, the podcast and you're listening to us now, you can watch Rugby Tonight um, on catch-up and all that sort of stuff. I don't know about the technical things. It's on BT Sport. You'll find it if you really want to watch it. Sarri's, Sarri's made it to Philadelphia. Not a convincing win, but a win nonetheless against Newcastle, who are two from two going into the game. Yeah, those games have never really sparked into life, have they, in the way they have either Premiership or Premiership Rugby want them to. They want to see a good running game, a bit of a Ireland versus New Zealand that we saw in Chicago. If they had one of those, then it really sparks interest because basically you've got, well, you've got one chance. It's a huge audience yep. and they'll sit down and they'll watch it and if it grabs their attention, they'll watch it and they'll watch it again. It's really tough for the teams because you've got conflict of interest. If either Premiership want these guys to go out there, evangelise about how great the Premiership is and fair play, it is an untapped market. I just think you need patience. But for Newcastle, for Saracens, just about winning. They're not there to entertain. They just want four or five points, and that's what they came home with. Yeah. But the highlight of the weekend for me <laughs> was at the Rico. I mean, this was absolutely brilliant. I came back. I'd, uh, I'd just been ironing the kids' clothes. and uh, do you Are you domestic at home? Am I domestic at home? Yeah. Mate, I live with five blonde women and a female dog. <laughs> do you think I've got a choice in anything I do in my house? My, my wife has basically got two rules. Go out, get money, come home. So that's basically the only rules I have to abide by and then just do as you're told when you get back. I, I think it's pretty it. same for any. I mean, you're a new dad now. You'll experience this soon when your daughter gets her own intentions. And like my daughter's having a 16th birthday party this Friday. Oh, my gosh. And, Can uh, I come? Uh, yeah, by all means. If you, if you could wear a bomber jacket with one of those <laughs> aluminous things on the sleeve as well, that would really help. You know, we've got 500 kids coming. It's going to be absolutely brilliant. I cannot wait. Sounds like fun. But that's Stormzy. He's so expensive. <laughs> I thought, you know, I thought he'd be, you know, I told him. And Dynamo you got coming, haven't you? No, I couldn't fit him in on, the, on the bill. That's it. He was, he was just after um, Beyonce. Um, but the highlight of the weekend for me, the Marla-Haskell brawl. Nothing to do with that. 
but listening to you and Lawrence in commentary <laughs> try and defend either side. <laughs> Lawrence tried to defend Haskell as he left the field. Oh, you can't do that. What, spray some water in your mate's face? I know. It, it, it was ridiculous because, hey, I'm going to ask you, you're one of the biggest wind-up merchants in, in rugby. You, yeah. you, hey, not, you didn't build a career on it. It was a big part of what your game was. That's why I'm here now. That's exactly that why you're here. But, mate, tell me, what was your take on it? Joe Marler, was he within his right to do it? And should it have been two yellows or were you happy with the ref's decision? Oh, no, it was a single yellow all day long. Hask lost the plot. Big time. I've never seen him go like that. I asked him after the game, he said, what did it look like? I said, well, I'm just going to be <laughs> honest with you. And what I said in commentary was, "You just." he was like, yeah, I completely lost my head. He did. Even arguing with the ref. And then he pushed uh, James Horwell on the way over. When Danny Kerr walked over to him, I thought, oh, this could be good now because he'll fancy his chances against Danny, as to most people. And Danny obviously said something to him, but I couldn't work out whether Danny was giving him a final wind-up try and get a red or just being all right to his mate. I think he may have squirted him with a bit of water <laughs> as he was walking <laughs> off as well. But that, do you know what? Actually, that is one. I want to see more of that come back into the game because it's been dead for a few years. Sides, a lot of players walk on the field, you know, and there is a line that you can't cross. But what we saw from Quinns was um, a tactic that worked. Yep. And that tactic is, we'd like to fight you. If you want to fight us, come and do it. Yeah. And that's what rugby's about in many ways. Yeah, there's a line. You've got to be careful. You can't cross it. And has crossed it. And I'd like to see that sort of thing go unpunished in many ways. Completely. Of course, we're not advocating people goading and getting into trouble and turning into massive fistfights because we don't want to see kids doing that on a Sunday. But... There was another example in the game, which we will talk about in rugby tonight. And it's when, um, I don't know if you saw it, Joe Launchbury has a right go at Dave Ward, slags off his coaching. And Dave Ward, you can just hear him over the road, sir, sir, he just said that about my coaching. Tell you what, if Dave Ward turns around and lamps Joe Launchbury, then he's in trouble. So should Joe Launchbury be cited and be given off, um, off-field yellow card? Well, no, absolutely not. We've got to have that personality in rugby. I love that niggly edge which Harlequins brought. The same as what we have in cricket with sledging. It's fun. It's part of the game. And everyone who's been slagging off Joe Marler on social media, hypocrites. When he does it for England, oh, yeah, that's exactly. the Joe Marler we love. Well, it's like the Mike Brown effect, isn't it? If you if he's in your team, you love him. If he's out of your team, you hate him. Exactly. But that's a sign of a good player. But uh, it was a great game and it was led by James Horwell, the Quinn's skipper. He had a little chat with us earlier on. Sarah, this is what he had to say. Okay, is your nickname Kev? Yes. Okay, why is your nickname Kev? Is there a story behind it? Is it's it a little, I'll give you the short version. So okay. in Australia, there's a, there was a TV guy, uh, unfortunately he's passed on, he did sold uh, cleaning products on TV, and his <laughs> catch cry was, I'm excited. And as I was a kid growing up, I used to be quite excitable and used to get quite excited, so I, I got big Kev, so I've had it since I was... 14, and uh, pretty much everyone except for my wife and my parents call me Kev, so uh, I, I don't it. mind. James Edgington, strange name, uh, what's the most embarrassing thing you've ever done on a rugby field? Uh, I've got red carded <laughs> twice, so that's, that was pretty embarrassing. <laughs> which, which was the worst? If you had to pick, which one is the, is the worst? Uh, I just had a brain snap and tried to take someone's head off and it didn't work, so... <laughs> and I, he was fine and I got sent off the field and our team lost, so that was probably the worst. This is from, from Josh Mackin. Uh, if you could pick an all-time 15, who would you choose as captain? That's a good question, that. Nice. That's a good question. Um, probably John Eels. Just, obviously, growing up, he was the guy that I looked up to as a, as a, as a player and then, obviously, uh, his success as a captain. I think there's not many 
captains around that would have you know his success. He's obviously won every trophy that he could win, so oh, I'd probably pick him. OK. And there's right, another, another one rattling in. Quick one. Who's the best player you played against? I think we, we did play against each other. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm that old, mate. <laughs> no, I think, uh, <laughs> no, that's a good point. No. Maybe, maybe you're not. Uh, uh, George Smith played with and against. Um, so what's your question to James? Yeah, so who do you think currently is the best lock in the Premiership and why? Nice. It's a good one. I think probably... Marrow at the moment because he does the impact he has on the game. I think he obviously does a, a lot of things. He, he's been playing six a little bit as well, so he does play a little bit back, like a back row. But I think the impact he has for Saracens and on a game itself is probably the, the reason why I'd say him. Cool. Um, Andy, have you got a question as well? Yeah. Hi, James. Uh, congratulations on the win on Thank Sunday. You. That was a great win. Um, who's the best Quinn you've ever played with? And which Quinn, the previous Quinn, if you could play with any, who would you play with? Oh, awkward. Hashtag Oogs. <laughs> I better say Oogs, otherwise, because I never played with Ugo. Uh, but best Quinn, I'd probably have to say, yeah, Chris Robshaw. I think he's a guy that you don't probably appreciate what he does for a team until you actually play in it. And that just, just all the hard work he does, the energy he gives everyone. And I think, for me, that's probably something I didn't notice until I actually played with him, because I'd played against him at international level. But when you do play on a side with him, you see the stuff he cleans up and everything. He, he makes a lot of guys look better, so I think I'd have to say Robbo. One for me I'm not quite sure about yet. I've seen him play now a few times. Marcus Smith. Okay. Man of the match at the weekend. Yeah. Uh, you told me before that he ran 10K in the game, which, oh, yeah. which is quite a lot nowadays. Um, discuss. You, you play, well, I'll ask you. I think it's only fair you get first dibs on it. You play 10. Um... I don't think he's, he's very good. I'm joking. <laughs> Just to see your face. <laughs> you said sacked off Lysels. I don't know what to believe anymore. But, I mean, hey, this is his second game that he started and he came off the bench against Gloucester, started at the double header. He's learning. He's going to make loads of mistakes. He may even cost Harlequins a match at some point, but he is a brilliant talent. I spoke to lads at the club and they're they not giving me the party line media answer, but there's a genuine excitement about his... His potential. The he learns, that, he gets the game, and he was—he looked very mature, looked very comfortable. Well, that's the sign for me that tells me that he's got a lot of respect from the players because sides and experienced players, they don't suffer youngsters too yeah. much, yeah. And particularly vocal youngsters. So if you're a vocal youngster, you've, A, you've got to be saying the right things, yeah. but B, you've got to be playing to a certain standard to be almost entitled to say that sort of stuff and be listened to. So... Watching him, you see that he's very vocal, he's very controlling, which is a good, a good instinct to have. And it means that the rest of the guys are waiting for him to grow into the body that he's probably the only thing that's lacking. You know, physicality is the only thing that he probably lacks if he wants to keep stepping up the ladder. Yeah, well, Eddie Jones has clearly seen something in him. He was in the EPS in the summer, just the training squad. He announced another one on Friday, so unfortunately we're not able to react to that. But yeah. hopefully it'll be, it'll be interesting to see whether or not he's anywhere near that side in the autumn. And if Eddie is to give him a crack in the next 12 months, Argentina, they beat them 2-0 in the summer with 30 players missing, Australia and Samoa. If there's an opportunity to give a guy a crack... Hey, I may be getting carried away and ahead of myself, but the autumn would be a great time to have a look at him at that level. Makes you look back to that Ireland game and think, wow, England could have set a record that would never be beaten. 
because they've yeah. got to win those all three autumn internationals. Anything else is yeah. completely unacceptable. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's the standards they've set. But I guess I'm a Harlequin ten to a, a Wasp ten. Dan yeah, Danny. Medial ligament gone. Twelve months. Twelve months. Very, be very disappointed with that. <laughs> so twelve, 12 weeks, weeks out. Um, he's worked so well at ten and twelve with him and Jimmy Goff outside him. They put in Gabby. You know his surname. Lover Balavu. Lover Balavu, yeah. Lover that's, that's, oh, that's, that's good enough. That's yeah. it, at 12. He was good, actually. He's very good, but he's more of an attacking threat rather than another set of eyes, another set of ears, and another pair of hands. Jimmy Goff at 10, how does that change the way they play? I think they have to play a lot squarer. I don't think they've, they've been using this move quite a lot where they hit the midfield and Danny sweeps up behind a pod of three guys, gets the ball out the back of one of the forwards, and then he's found the corner. And he just accelerates to the corner and then turns into the corner and leaves a shoulder ball to his blindside winger. Yeah. Watson made the try for yes, Wade. Yes. And they've scored that try three times now. Marcus Watson scored it last week. Yeah. And they scored in week one off the same try. Yeah. So, but uh, uh, Danny's the only fly half that can run that sort of line. There's no one else can run it. You're absolutely right because they can still run the move, but Jimmy doesn't have the pace to get round. And Wait. he doesn't have the touch, and he doesn't actually want to attack the game on this, the same way Danny does. Danny floats, though. He doesn't accelerate. So what he uses is the threat that he's fast. So a defender thinks, oh, no, I can't leave him on the inside because he'll go. So he stays, and he just treads water. He treads water and waits for the defence to put his heels down and then offloads that shoulder ball. It's worked so well. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk over the years about Danny and his skills and there's a conversation, I read a, a piece in one of the newspapers about his tackling percentage and him being criticised and bouncing back to the, yep. the author of that. So, for me, Danny is a huge talent and he will be missed and he does play well. He does definitely play well in tandem with Gopeth because they get that contrast. They get the two different types of first five-eighth, which yep. I, I think is, is great to see. What's are up against Exeter on Sunday in our live game? And Ali Eakin headed west to talk to Chiefs, Gareth Steenson, Lockie Turner and Ian Witten. Gareth, you obviously have had a, an amazing time through the summer, I'm sure, like digesting what happened. And Do you feel like the club is, is kicking on? Because as we all know, climbing the mountain is one thing and then staying there is another. Yeah, I think it is. I think now that we've had a couple of you know a couple of games back into the, the season as well, it's sort of it was always hard how we were going to maybe start. Nobody really knew, and now that we have, we've had a couple of good results, good, more more good performances really. I think that was the main thing that we really wanted to try and get right, and uh, I think it's it's been a good start for us. But obviously, we know there's a lot of challenges to come yet. And what about Wasps on Sunday? I mean, you're going to be rerunning a few of those moments, aren't you, from May in your head ahead of that one? Uh, it's a completely different situation, isn't it? It's, it's not going to be in front of 80,000 people for a start. Um, it looks really exciting, you know. We always have really good games, and if the weather's good at Sandy Park as well, we tend to be high-scoring games as well, and they're going to come and want to play rugby. I'm sure they've got a few scores they want to settle, but I think it's kind of, a, it's kind of irrelevant what happened in the final whenever it comes to Sunday. How often do you think about that moment? That winning penalty, the final whistle, the trophy lift. Um, uh, I have to be honest. Honestly, I relive it every day because my kids want to watch it every single day. Do they? Yeah, my my oldest, he literally can practice and say, right, scrum penalty to Chiefs, and he can do the commentary exactly (laughs) the same. So I have to relive it basically every day. So, (laughs) like, it's lovely. Uh, Don't get me wrong, but um, yeah, I could do it maybe not every single day of the week, but. (laughs) They love it, they enjoy it, and uh, yeah, it's been good. What about the guys that are pushing through now as well from, from 
I guess, the core squad, the Sam Simmonses of this world who who just seems to be making a crazy impression these early few weeks. Yeah, it's been a fantastic start for uh, Sam, especially, you know, he's, he's been there thereabouts. We've kind of known about him for a while. Uh, he's done really well in the seventh circuit and um, he's just another one on the, on the conveyor belt. There's a few more coming up behind him as well, but Sam at the minute has really taken his opportunity with Thomas getting injured in pre-season and he stepped up to the mark and he's been a really big player for us. And we just want him to go out and enjoy his rugby and play and that's what he's been doing. And I think you're, you're seeing the, the real benefits of it. Has there been a, uh, any sort of shift in, in feel at the club, given that you are now there to be shot at as, as the champions? Um, no, not really. Uh, look, it's, we've spoken a lot about what we want to stand for this year. And um, again, it's all been about us. It hasn't really been about you know, outside influences. It's, we realise what we are as a club and, and we've got a strong identity and we want to maintain that and, and stick to that. And that's really what the focus has been about in the uh, first first couple of weeks. And, um, you know, it's got us in good stead so far. And obviously a lot of players going well, but one guy seems to be shining week in, week out and really bursting through, Sam Simmons. A little word on, on what he's up to at the moment. He's doing some great stuff for us and he's well backed up, you know, by our back row. Um, we've got some, got some great players there. Um, even guys who aren't playing for us, the the work that they do at training is absolutely brutal against one another. So, you know, look, I think that's where the club is so strong at the moment. We've got such a great depth and guys pushing uh, the guys who are playing week in, week out. And uh, it seems to be doing doing the job for us at the moment. You obviously have, have put things bang on track the last couple of weeks. Uh, how, where do you feel you're at in terms of sort of capacity and where you want to be at the moment? Okay, I think we're a bit disappointed now, first week. You know, we played okay, we maybe did enough to win, but didn't get the result. Um, the next two weeks was important, we got results, so it sets us up well going into this weekend. It's a big game, obviously, they'll be gunning for us after what happened last year. So, you know, really excited about this weekend, big game for both teams. Yeah, I mean, does it have a little bit of extra spice because of what happened last May? Well, probably, probably from their point of view, like I would have thought that, you know, um, like I said, they'll be out the you know, right a few wrongs, I'm sure, in their eyes, so. But it's, it's a big game for us at home, you know, we're playing, you know, Wasps at home's always a big game, you look forward to it every year, I'm sure we get a big crowd for it. Um, I'm sure both teams will go for it, should be a good game of rugby. What, what messages have you received from the coaches this season about um, trying to stay at the top of the tree? It's a hard thing to do, isn't it? You see that in every sport, it's not easy. Yeah, I think we've talked about trying to enjoy it, you know, you can get uptight about it, you know, and, you know, it can, you can think everybody's after you and out to get you and stuff like that, but actually, you know, it's the biggest thing last year taught us is we know we can do it now. And, you know, there's a lot of boys in our club, I'd say, in our team with a lot of years left in their careers. So, I mean, there's great opportunities for fellas going forward to win more, to win more trophies. And I think that's what we've got to do now. We've just got to keep attacking it like we did last year, you know, keep, you know, trying to get attack every game, score as many points as we can. I think, you know, if, that, if we do that and we keep at that, we know we're a good team and we know we can be there or thereabouts at the end of the year. Exeter, I think they're pretty much back to where they were, if not slightly better because they've got some new players. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Sam Simons? Sam Simmons. It's Simons. Simmons, <laughs> four tries. It's, it's a funny one. They always seem to be able to get the best out of players. And if they're not recruiting good players, they're developing really good ones. Let's face it, Tom Wardrum is always there or thereabouts in the Premiership top try scoring charts. Not he, this year, he's not. Not this year, because he's not played. He missed that for injury, but 
from what we hear that regardless of whether it's fit or not, Simon Simmons was always going to play. Simons. And he's come in four tries. Is a, is a pretty decent offering in the, in the opening three. What round. do you think? He looks like a player to me that has had a fantastic pre-season. We spoke about pre-season earlier. It looks like he's in tip-top condition. Yep. So this will probably be a, quite a good... Um, I don't know, pilot scheme, should we call it, on whether players should have a good pre-season because let's see how long he lasts. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, the shape of him is unbelievable. I think he's actually played inside centre, yeah. whether it's for university or in the A-League, but he does run like a centre. He's got good spatial awareness, good footwork, tacking around the fringes, but he's obviously a big physical man. So big enough to play for England? Um, not at eight, and not with the competition we have. Six? Uh <laughs> Potentially, I mean, your good pal Benny Kay did an article, didn't he? Um, about don't read the five it. and a half. I, I didn't read it either. I don't so think many people do. I'll wait till I get some chips next week. I might, <laughs> I might have a quick peek at it then. Um, yeah, potentially at six. Um, he's kind of got the same body type as Sam Underhill. Just going to say the same thing, but yeah. He doesn't do the same thing quite clearly. Um, I wouldn't house both of them in a back row. Of course, the balance is everything in a back row. But say if you've got a Billy there. Moving forward, Chris Robson's not going to play forever. Underhill at seven. He could be an option at six. Well, one's a stopper, one's a goer. Yeah. That's so. good balance at six and seven, isn't it? It is pretty good, yeah. Joe, so. Joe Worsley and uh, somebody else who was Someone pretty else. good. Richie yeah. McCaw. No, he was a stopper as well, he wasn't was he? Really, he didn't really carry. Who was the go forward in your time? Me. <laughs> If there was a time they said, look, look, lads, we've got to crash it up. Who can we use? I used to like team meetings Friday night. Clive would stand up and say, guys, we've got to crash it up tomorrow. Literally the whole room would turn and look at me and go, can you do it again? I was, it was yeah, a, no problem, lads. It no was problem. a little bit at the moment at the wreck with Bath and needing a try and they looked to Rocco. Yeah. That's what England used to do. They used to look to you. Yeah, but I was playing 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, or 15. Well, actually, that's not true. I was, I was on the bench. So it was more of an impact crasher than anything if you know what I mean yeah I think they're going pretty well Exeter um, the, well, they were the latest team actually to put a big score against Worcester who aren't having the best start to the season they sit bottom with no wins from three Nick Mullins headed to the Warriors training ground to speak to Donica Callahan and Peter Stringer to find out just how difficult it is to play in the Aviva Premiership when you're over 40 just transfixed by the sacrifices you both have to make in your 40th year and your 39th year to carry on doing what you're doing. No alcohol, watch what you eat. Has it, has it always been like that with, with, with you two, do you think? Yeah, it has. I, I, I think if you ask anyone in probably the top end of sport or anything, you have to make sacrifices to get out the other end of it. And look, I'm a bit different to strings. I have to probably make an awful lot more of them. You know, he's naturally talented and he's, he's well able, but I, there's things I have to stay on top of, you know. He, like? Like, I, I'll be honest, his nutrition is through the roof and there's always been things w that we'd bunks off each other. So if I was um, worried or concerned about a training program even, I'd give him a call, same with Jerry Flannery. There's guys that you've trained with and, and you know them well enough that you can ask them a question and they know you well enough that they, or even old fitness staff that you worked with. So it's, uh, it's trying to get the balance in that, but it's... Um well, I was going to say, you, uh, you don't drink, you watch what you eat. Dinner parties around his place cannot be a lot of fun, can they? <laughs> yeah, I, I, to be honest, I don't have any because no one would come if I invited them. It's, um, it's, it's a pretty mundane um, experience around my place. It's, um, yeah, I consider myself, I suppose, um, it's pretty boring, but for, for, for the length of time, 
that I'm in this game, I want to make sure that I do everything as well as I can. And if that affects other people, then so be it. But as long as I can um, get up in the morning and I'm happy with my decisions, then... The, the, the non-drinking is one that annoys me, though. I think it's like, a, you know, people say it, oh, the two of them don't drink, so that's why they're still going. And, they, it, like, it, it, I only started copping it when I saw how much you put it. Like, it annoys me that people think, oh, just because Strings doesn't drink, he's still going. It's a small part of, yeah. of a whole lifestyle change, you know what I mean? It's your training, it's your nutrition, it's, it's just another element of it, and all in combination. You know everything works for us. It's not just solely down to, to that. It's um, yeah. it's just making good decisions around um, everything we do. And but we need we, we need a retirement date, strings, because we want to make sure that we book the open top bus. I mean, this isn't good enough at the moment. I mean, in your mind, you're not you still be playing when you're 50. The way we're listening to you at the moment. Well, I still I, like I've always said it. As long as I'm, I suppose the body and mind are in sync. You know what I mean? I'm still enjoying the game. Um, I'm still able to get out on the pitch and and you know compete and. You know, fitness scores are where they were, and, and I think as soon as you realise, you know, you're dropping off in certain areas, then it's probably it's time to call it quits. But you know, I'm, at the moment, I'm I'm, I'm looking for reasons, <laughs> and it's um it's just not there. And, and and like I said, it's it's just the enjoyment factor. You get out here, and you know, it's it's a job we love doing. And why would you want to finish it? And do you feel the same, Donnick, or have you got an allotment and a garden? Yeah, no, 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 I, I don't have that, but what I do have is I'm okay with my own sacrifices that I make, but now my family are making an awful lot, and uh, Jenny and the, the four kids are at home, and that's becoming really difficult for her in, in terms of, like, she's diving on a grenade there every day, you know, and so you have to, you know, like, my family's in a different spot, so... Um, um, you have to realise that yeah, there's a, a point between personal sacrifice and selfishness, and I think I'm tipping into one of those. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the end of the season will be uh, where I'm at and, uh, and getting back into uh, being a proper dad for a while. Hey, this will be it this season? Yeah, I, I, I think it will be for me. I think, um, you know, I want to go as well within it as I can, but I'll be honest with you, Nick, I said that last year too, and sometimes yeah. it bites you, you know? So, um, but like I said, it is, uh, it's, it's becoming more of a family decision. It was easy all along because it was just me being completely selfish and tunnel vision for myself. But now when you realise that you, you, need to, you need to be there and you need to enjoy those kind of special early years as well, that, uh, you know, that it does make it tough. But like String said, it, it, it's very hard to walk away from something that you absolutely love. You know, So I'm hoping something happens that... I end up nearly hating ball and I'm glad to hang him up but um, you know that's my concern you don't want to finish injured or with a bang or a knock but um, that you can exactly last season would have been I guess relatively new for you this idea that there's relegation and a team yeah, will yeah. A, a team will be elbowed out at the yeah 100% look I'll be honest before I came here I didn't really have much respect for the premiership I thought the rugby was quite dull and then you play it week in week out and you realize it's so physical it's so competitive everything matters every opposition you play wants to put you to the sword and every um, you know everything counts and I, I, I'll be honest I didn't probably have that respect for it until I played in it and now I realize how tough it is and you're right it, it, it's a competition that kind of if if teams sense a weakness or you know see someone that's down they don't kind of nearly like other places see or you know maybe it's an opportunity to rest up players they load their team and they go for you so 
and we have to be very careful if we um you know if we keep bleeding like we are at the moment teams are going to really come after us so we need to we need not even for opposition for ourselves we need to put in a performance that we can you know be proud of and 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 that reflects the work that's gone into us like string said over the pre-season and you know I'd, I'd say it's frustrating for gary and the coaches and even the setup here to see how we perform but you got to remember it's early in the season as well and yeah we just need to get on track and i know this is a trite question but you must as the captain yeah. feel it all the more yeah absolutely like i said to you earlier on it, 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 there is the responsibility of even the leadership side of it that i w would never have seen before that um and uh, of course you, you, i know it's cliche stuff but your time uh, within the club you want to leave it in the best possible place and you know I do feel the responsibility of that as being the, the, the captain and I also feel that responsibility for the guys that are going to be here for years to come that, that are really going to drive the club on, the Jack Singletons, the Hugh Taylors, you know, the Andrew Kitchener, I shouldn't have started naming guys but they're going to be guys that you want to leave a bit of a legacy for and that you want them to step up and to leave the club in a really good spot for those guys to, to do something really impressive with in time. Are you two braced for a battle rattling around 10th, 11th or 12th? Or are you better than that in your own mind? Or do you not even think in those terms? Uh, well, look, every pre-season you set out goals where, where you want to be. And, you know, with the, with the training that you do and you have ambitions of avoiding that relegation battle, I think that the club has been involved in for the last number of years. And, you know, nobody, nobody wants to be down there. Um, and I think, you know, speaking to the guys at the end of last season and, and the start of this year and the way the coaches have come in and put processes in place and give us the best opportunity to, to work our way up that table. And I think that's, you know, that's a starting point for us. I think um, obviously the season hasn't started well, um, but in our own minds, we have to be better than that. And, and we, we have to see ourselves being better than that. You know, to avoid that kind of relegation battle, it's so important to to you know to strive for bigger and better things and to try and remain confident even when you know you're losing it's to try and come in on a Monday and um, pick things up and be positive um, so from that point of view we have to have to see ourselves as, as being up there or else you'll never get there yeah and uh, just on that I suppose it's maybe a, a bit of a mistake we've made you can chat about where you want to be at the end of the season but it's it, it really is week to week stuff and We've probably looked at the start of the season really big, whereas we need to narrow it to Friday night and nothing else matters. You know, and Friday night is a cup final for us, and we need to, you know, our want us to be much greater than anyone else's to finally get results. You look at Donnacho Callahan, Peter Stringer, two talisman in that Worcester side. Um, but admittedly, they're two guys that aren't going to play 80 minutes every single week. But when they are on the pitch, the one thing they will give you is absolutely everything. I saw Donica commentate on him a couple of weeks ago. Only lasted 55 minutes. Did you hit him on the back of the head with a rugby ball? <laughs> that way I had to come off. That's one of the best things I've ever seen you do. You could never pass when you were playing, yet from 120 yards off a scaffolding shed on top of a stand, you managed to hit someone in the back of the Jack head with a ball. Singleton. If he's there, I mean, geez, he's uh, he'll be at Gloucester Friday night, and I'm working that game, so I'll have to yeah. I'll have to shake his hand, whether he accepts it or not. You'd I be, don't know. I tell you what, if you can hit him on the back of the head, I'll give you a ball. <laughs> but if you can hit him on the back of the head from the Gloucester commentary position, okay, it would be distance. yeah, that would be incredible. Yeah, it would also knock. I'll him give out. you odds, right? I'll give you two hundred to one. Do you want to have a quid or? 
I'll have a quid. You've got to take a ball up with you, though. I'll take a quid. A quid. That's to the big spenders. Okay, well done. Yes. Nice 200 to 1. I'd at least have gone 20 quid. It's four grand, that. That's true. That's true. I'm it's too late now. You've shook on a quid. That's it. That's absolutely fine. And but, I've um, got my daughter's party this Friday, so I'm a little bit skinned. Storm, that's true. Stormzy. Yeah. Stormzy. Rihanna. Um, but, yeah, so I was just saying about Donnacoe Callan, the spirit which they embody, it's exactly what every single player needs if they're going to stay up. I think they're going down. Do you? Yeah. What about when Hugard comes back? But for the last three years, they've waited until Hugard gets back. And he's and kept them up. He has kept them up. But the competition, the Aviv Premiership, is far too competitive. You think it's moved on from where they are? I think it has, yeah. I mean, he gets back end of November. Mm. You look to the next three games, it's Gloucester, it's Saris, it's Bath. They could be zero and six. But he's, uh, yeah, but he's only going to miss six games. In the past, I think he's missed a lot more. And I think he's been a bit of a, like you said, a talisman for him. And I think Gary Gold is a very astute mover in terms of coaching. Um, so who's going down? I think Harlequins. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think London Irish. Do you actually? Yeah, they were brilliant in the first weekend. Yeah. But now they've just had two on the bounce. Not so good. Yeah, but not bad. I mean, to, they lost by 30 at Exeter. That's pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, that happens. Yeah, to most teams, actually. That's a fair point. And sail away. Not many teams went up there. But they lost by 37, sail away. About 30. I mean, that was a that was a poor result, but not many teams get decent results up at sale. So I'm not too worried. Really? I'm not too worried about that. I'm a, I'm a buyer of Worcester over Irish. Okay, fair enough. So you think they'll be safe? Uh, Have you seen many signs uh, of improvement over the last three no. months of them? Okay, no, well, is the honest answer. That's worrying, then, isn't it? But, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just think that they, they've been there before, whereas Irish haven't. Yeah, so if true. Irish, fair enough, if Irish get two wins or a win out the next round, few rounds of games, then they're That's looking true. pretty good because the pressure will build. But if they don't and they're only four or five points apart, Worcester have got their pitch, which is tough yeah. to play on, particularly in the winter when it's cold because your brain can't quite grasp that it's freezing cold and the pitch is rock hard. So it's tough for the travelling sides. So, yeah, and I think they've got some really good players, Worcester. They do. Bryce Heem, um, uh, Ben Teo, game breaker, Farnan Olafia, he's a brilliant player. They do have quality. Ho-hard to come back. They're struggling at 10. They're down to their third-choice fly half. Nick Schoenert, um broke his ankle last week after 25 seconds, one of the best titles in the league. So they're struggling. I see Ryan Lamb starting. I know. For La, La Rochelle. I know. I know. I'm, playing, they, I'm playing out of his skin. A play they desperately could have done with. Yeah, absolutely. But it's they, bizarre. But I've, I watched the last game that he played in. He looked really good. Yep. And I never really thought he was really good. He's always had talent. Oh yeah, I th- undoubtedly. I, th- I think the one thing he needs to is actually just just feel a bit of love, and feel as if and well, how he feels. Well, certainly made certainly make him feel as if he's number one because once he gets that shirt and he you give him time in it, he can really flush. But anyway, they don't have him. Yeah. And there's a bit of frustration because they could do with him. But we have seen turnarounds. Northampton. Now looking like that's yeah. maybe a top six, top yeah. four side from week one. So anything is possible. But it is tough to predict. And uh, if you fancy yourself as a bit of a pundit, you can play along with a new BT Sport predictor game for free where you can guess the score from each weekend's Aviva Premiership matches. For more details and full terms and conditions, go to btsport.com forward slash predictor. Well, often- I'm at the bottom of that table. I know, I'm top. But I can't understand because I got the same points as you, but my I predicted the score closer than you did. What? In one of the games at the weekend. I'm not bitter. I have moved on. But it's outrageous. (laughs) 
I'm not sure, but hey, I guess it's an accumulative score for the last three weekends. And yeah. I guess I've just been better than The thing is, if I'd have just started this weekend and took the default settings, which is what everyone else can do if they haven't already started, <laughs> I'd be at the top of the table. Really? Yeah. So I haven't done I that. I wish I'd known that. I've put my on the block. And have you? Yeah. Who have you gone for this weekend? Um, well, I haven't actually done it, but Gloucester Worcester. I'm, I'm going to back Gloucester. Yeah. I'm absolutely going to back Gloucester. And everyone can watch that on uh, Friday night, 7pm, BT Sport 1 and 4K UHD. Have you got a 4K UHD TV? I do, yes. Yeah, is it it's good? It's nice, yeah, it's really Have you good. watched yourself back on it? Yeah, love it. Can you it. see spots? No, I don't have any. Oh. Black don't crack, I've got no wrinkles. Perfect. I've got really good makeup artists as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Chrissy, she's brilliant. Yeah, she is. Um, and Saturday we've got Saracens against Sale, Bath versus Newcastle, and live on BT Sport 2 and 4K UHD at 2.30 is Harlequins against Leicester. Where's your money? I think it's got to be on Quinns. I think they're on a bit of a roll after last week. Leicester, look, they look a little bit clueless, if I'm being honest. They've got... Um, Lots of talent. <laughs> Lots, yeah, bags and bags of talent, but they've got no ball-carrying ability. I mean, Callum Afoni carried better at the weekend, but didn't make much impact for me. Uh, Mike Williams, I think, has added a bit to them. He's looked yeah. pretty good. So I think I think it's going to be tough, and Quinns will be bouncing after the only side to win since, was it December 2015? That's right, 21 games unbeaten record. I fancied losing it at home to Quinns, a side that doesn't travel. That is a proper kick in the spuds. Yeah, I guess what we've seen this year, as a quick overview, is that it's, <laughs> it's not the obvious, but it's a brand new season, and everyone seemed to have emotionally been able to park what happened last year, whether it's Exeter being champions and knowing they need to kick on, and the teams that have languished in the middle and the bottom and said, right, it needs to be a brand new season, a brand new era, and they're setting their own records for themselves, which is yeah. good to see. It is good to see, and if you want to see a bit more, you can see the champions take on the guys that they beat in the final last year at Twickenham. At 2.30, down at Sandy Park, BT Sport 1 and 4K UHD, Exeter versus Wasps. That is going to be a cracker of a game. And also on Sunday is London Irish versus Northampton. Not an easy side for the Irish to take on if looking for a win. No, another physical battle. Certainly will be. OK, thanks for listening to the Rugby Tonight podcast. Next week, we're on tour again with Babes and Ben. They're at Market Harborough, RFC. Remember, the pod will be out every Thursday morning, so make sure you subscribe to get it delivered straight to your device. And if you've enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star rating and review. And I never review a five-star anything. Do you? No, I don't. I don't. I once got this taxi, and the guy said, if you don't give me a five-star, I'll lose my job. I'm right on the borderline. So I gave him a five-star, but that is the only time... So please, if you get the chance, uh, Hugo will lose his job if you don't leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. We'll see you next week. Cheers, then. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.